On this episode of the show, we're doing it a little different. We've got on Gonzo and Carlos Rey de Castillo, two very good friends of mine in Atlanta, and we're talking with them about locations department in film. If you're a crew or have an interest to work in film, this is the episode for you. We're going to talk about their work on The Haunting of Hill House and Dr. Sleep. Also, make sure to tune in next week to hear our guest, my friend, Chris Aquilino from HBO Silicon Valley. But for now, guys, give us the rundown. What is locations department exactly? Basically, we set up the canvas where everybody will come in and put their own little pieces and create a movie. Uh, we start from reading a script, uh, breaking it down, seeing how many locations are in each script. We go out as scouts and start finding multiple options for each location, whether it could be a house, an airport, gas stations, abandoned mansions. It goes from anything extremely exciting to scouting the gas stations in your city for an entire week. Obviously, always keeping in mind what you do is you work with uh, the director and the production designer, and they will give you ideas of exactly what they want, the look, the feel, um, which goes also, I guess, with the script and the type of story. If you're telling, if you're telling a comedy, a horror film, a drama, it, it all comes down to uh, exactly what kind of locations you're going to be looking for. So where did you guys both start exactly? What, what was your first memories of like working in, in locations or just working in film in general? What was your origin story? Ooh, my first job in the industry was driving... Jared Bruckheimer's during Bad Boys 2. I got hired just because I was local and I knew the city, this is back in Miami. And I did that show, I met some people and then you just start uh, as a production assistant and you start working your way up eventually. Carlos, we I refer to you as Rody. I always call you Rody. Everybody calls you Rody. So Miami was your first like city that you basically ran with and you got into locations, you got into film there. Yes. Gonzo, was Atlanta for you? Atlanta for me, yeah. I was living in Miami at the time and then our sister Julieta, who also does locations, brought me up here. Mm -hmm. She called me and was like, if you drive up tomorrow, you can start. So I did and then I started Great. on Blended, that Adam Sandler movie. I was on that set of Blended. Did I tell you this? Actually, Rody might not know. Rody, did you know that I was on Blended? No. We hadn't met yet. Gonzo and I met in 2017 when I moved to Atlanta. But in 2013, I had about three or four months there. And I was in San Diego and I was in Athens, Georgia. And in Athens, Gonzo was shooting at the Mall of Georgia, I think it was, mm -hmm. for Blended. And I remember like bumping into the set. Uh, in a in a dick sporting goods and then like two like three years later gonzo tells me that he was there that day yeah i remember that day it was insane so blended so blended was your first bad boys 2 was your first uh, yeah. roadie from there where'd you take it what was next what was the i guess what was the plan moving forward from that i the reality is i didn't have a plan i didn't know much about the industry at all it wasn't a uh Back then, uh, 19 years ago, I was 21. I didn't really know exactly what I wanted to do. I just landed on that job driving uh, Jared Bruckheimer, and uh, I fell in love in the industry. Obviously, that is the first thing you come into is such a giant movie with car crashes and explosions and action and everything yeah. being over the top. Absolutely insane. Just all of Jerry Brockheimer's stuff is a bit crazy over the top. Absolutely. The same Michael Bay as well. It's the same vibe. Yeah. So you're like, holy shit, what, what is this world? Uh, and 
and I fell in love with it. And then I, I, I was lucky enough to uh, continue working to, I mean, I did transport it to, uh, I did Molly and Me, I did Painting Game, uh, and just continue moving until I, I was called here to do a show called Red Road uh, with Jason Moa. And towards the end of that show, uh, Gonzo and I, we got offered to do The Accountants. The Ben Affleck one. Was that 2015, 2016? Uh, don't remember. 2015 sounds right, yeah. Yeah. So that was the first production the two of you worked on? Uh, no. no, the first one was Red Road. Yeah, Gonzo is the one that uh, <clears throat> called me and he's like, hey, they need some help. Do you want to come do that, uh, that show? I was like, yeah, why not? And since then, we've done... I don't know, five shows together? We've done Red Road, Accountant, uh, Love and Debt. Did you do Doctor Sleep? Yeah, Haunting of Elle House and Doctor Sleep. And then Cherry. Which is our latest one, yeah. Right. Yeah, Cherry was, Cherry was the, the last one you worked on. Yeah, we did Cherry um, out in Cleveland, Ohio, um, with uh, the Russo Brothers, which is a amazing, just inspiring people to work for um and we did that uh, we spent uh, i think it was six months in cleveland it didn't feel like six months i remember when you guys told me you were you were heading over from atlanta and slowly slowly a few of you a few of the guys in the locations department there in atlanta like trailed off and you all ended up meeting in cleveland for it was that september i feel like it was september 2019 uh, 28 to 2018 we went up August, I believe, mm-hmm. like mid-August, and then we started bringing people close yeah. to September. Because uh, the thing with Cleveland, um, even though they they have had filming before, uh, even I believe it was uh, one of the Captain America's movie uh, movies was shot there. Uh, when <clears throat> when we got called to do this movie, uh, Cherry, they Cleveland had already had two other shows going on at the same time, which took most of the local crew. They went right. through a, a long period of time where they didn't have any work, so a lot of the local crew either left the industry or moved to different cities or states to continue working on the industry. So all of right. a sudden they get three movies, and it, it took most of the crew. So that was one of the challenges. It was overwhelming. Absolutely. We, we ended up bringing, out of our locations department, we brought, I think, 80% of the crew we had to bring from uh, Atlanta, uh, because we just couldn't find right. available local crew. And you also had like a huge pool to draw from in Atlanta. Like I remember being being there with you guys just like every every weekend we'd like be out at Astoria or whatever bar we were at, you know, the local. I would honestly be meeting a new person in locations every week, I think. There's so many people, so many of you guys. And I think that's what like makes the whole – and it's the same with a lot of departments, like the community that you kind of – grow with in in film is important and being able to like have that opportunity to bring all of your buddies and all of your like co-workers along with you for the ride whatever production it may be is pretty is pretty fun it's pretty great like there's nothing better than working with your friends i mean i remember gonzo offered me it was i think it was like 2018 when you were like hey we need some help with insatiable and i was able to do a couple weeks on that just like helping out babysitting and through there you know the amount of people gonzo and i met through that was like crazy it was like a huge turning point yeah yeah i mean that was where 
80% of the group that we hung out with came from was Insatiable. I mean, obviously we knew most of them beforehand, but we all kind of clicked on Insatiable and yep. working together and hanging yep. out after work and all that. And I mean, that's kind of the best part about the industry is it's surprisingly small. So you'll run into people that you've worked with before, you'll eventually work with, and everybody's just friendly because everybody wants to be in the industry and everybody loves it. And I think that's super special. They're passionate. They're committed. There's a whole bunch of just like the amount of people I met that were just like absolutely in love. Like, you know, film life was huge. It was a huge amount of people that I met. Right. It's interesting because you both lived in Miami and then you'll move to Atlanta and you started working in Atlanta. So you had kind of an interesting relationship with, with film, especially being in locations department, having so much knowledge of different cities you've lived in and, and, uh, Rody, you're in LA pretty often as well. I think both of you guys do do trips to LA every now and then, at least once or twice a year. So that would be important for for your work, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. Uh, I mean, locations. It's it's pretty much the the more you know about a place, the better. Uh, and and it it adapts to every city that you go. Cleveland. It's a city that we've never been there before. We got called in to do the show, right. uh, and it is. A bigger challenge uh, than obviously we lived in, in in Atlanta, Georgia for a few years now. So we we know Atlanta. You know what's around every corner when you get brought out to a different mm-hmm. city. Even though the <clears throat> the way the locations department works still the same, you're working with uh, streets that you don't know and businesses that you don't know, neighborhoods and even vendors, vendors that are not used to working at a fast pace like we do uh, in short notice or, or it's a big challenge, but it's also a challenge that you want because if not working mm-hmm. in the same city for a long period of time, it becomes just the same over and over and over and over. A bit too repetitive. It's good to have a bit of range, a bit of diversity in like what you know, where you've been and what you can offer to each film. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, everybody wants a challenge. Gons, you, you brought up a few things, a few shows you wanted to, you wanted to talk about the two that I was probably most present for would have to be The Haunting of Hill House and Doctor Sleep. What would you say is like, I guess, the biggest lesson you learnt on haunting for both of you guys? That is. Oof. Uh, I mean, to be perfectly honest, mm-hmm. probably how well we work together, because there's always that weird mm-hmm. dynamic of siblings or families or friends working together and there's that fine line of do you let it slide because we're siblings or are you extra harsh because we're siblings and you can get away with it Mm -hmm. and we kind of found that balance because obviously we've had our arguments on set and working and whatever but you know we know it comes from a good place and it helps of course yeah always i remember like i don't think i've ever gotten to witness any of you your arguments on set definitely a few arguments at a bar but one thing that I keep hearing over and over is like when you two are on something, it's the film above all. There's no room for any kind of interruption personally. Like despite you being related, you would still have the same work ethic even if you weren't. Right. Yeah. And I think that's that's also super important. I mean, it's when we get to the office, you know, we'll joke around, whatever. But at the end of the day he's my boss. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. we're coworkers. And then when we leave, mm-hmm. great. We'll bitch about it at a bar or whatever it is. And then we do it again the next day. 
So I'm sure uh, I'm sure some of our listeners are pretty interested in in the productions you you've both been a part of. Tell us a bit about haunting, like the lead up, the work put in, everything that went to locations on that production, like how it went down, what you did. The hardest part at the beginning of hunting of Hell House, uh, and especially this show, was finding the right mansion. Um, we mm. were asked to find. A, an English manor in Atlanta, Georgia. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did uh, a statewide search for it. Um, I, I don't remember the exact amount of time, but I believe I spent three months scouting just from one mansion. Um, wow. We There was a, a talk at one point about building the entire mansion. On stages? Uh, no, we, we ended up building on stage, on stage the inside, but there was a conversation about building the exterior an entire facade of a mansion right. because we couldn't right. find uh, the right mansion. We ended up finding a mansion uh, just a little bit south of Georgia. Uh, I'm sorry, south of Atlanta. Um, it used to be at one point, it was a private residence. It went to be, it wanted to be a wedding venue at some point, And then it was sold on auction one more time and then sold again to a different owner, uh, very private, uh, Found it on the internet after doing a lot of research and driving around. I came up to the mansion and it was just a lot of pursuing and asking and leaving business cards and leaving notes and somebody mm-hmm. grabbing the notes, but nobody yeah. calling me back until finally the owner called me uh, and I explained what we wanted to do. We met and it all worked out. And, and we, actually, we, we're still friends nowadays. Just a fantastic gentleman, just very Great. private. And it was like the perfect location. Everyone, I think, everyone that watched the show would look at it and be like, oh, yeah, that's it. That's the spot. That's, that's, there's no other place this story could have been told. Mm-hmm. And finding it in Atlanta, where exactly in Georgia was it? Was it, was it uh, Barnesville or? No, I, I can tell you that it's south of Atlanta, Georgia. I, I cannot tell you the exact city, mostly because uh, some of the word got out. And even though it's a private residence right. with a big portion of land, uh, the owner mm-hmm. still gets people climbing walls just to try to go take a photo wow. of the house. Uh, so it was there something that he asked me not to specify exactly what it is. Yes. Of course. And for good reason. A lot of people, I remember on, on Stranger Things, it was the same way. A lot of people would find these locations that they shot at. They would go and watch the show or paparazzi pics would come out and there would be fans, mm-hmm. devoted fans, scouring the state for this place that they shot at and they would take selfies. I'd go crazy. And when it's a private residence, like a mansion or a home, you want the privacy and it's, it's important to, you know, have that, I guess, have that boundary, have that limit where, you know, some, sometimes a haunted mansion should stay a haunted mansion in privacy. Absolutely. I mean, we have to protect the production and we have to protect the, mm-hmm. the homeowner, the property owner that, that trusts us. And that's a this yeah. big balance that we do. We're a big filter between every location and the production. And we, we do our best to keep both happy. So what's it like? I'm sure you have a different experience with this. What would you say is the most important aspect of how locations interacts with the rest of the departments on a film and what you think that entails, like 
what is the go there? You know, like how do you guys work within the whole unit? I don't know. I mean, it's, it's on paper, it's tough, but you very quickly learn to be a people person. Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, we deal with every single department in the sense of, you know, Hey, please don't damage this wall. Don't break this light, stuff like that. Simple Mm -hmm. stuff that eventually just becomes second nature because your priority is the production or your priority is also the location. Because if you're on another show later on that wants to use it and it didn't go well, they're not going to let you use it. They're going to know your name. They're going to know everything. So you want to preserve those locations for every other film coming through town. Yes, exactly. You represent both parties. You represent the location you're shooting at and the production that's shooting there. Yeah, always. Exactly. Yeah. Going off of Haunting of Hill House, you worked on Dr. Sleep, back-to-back with that, with the same director, Mike Flanagan, right? Yes. What was that like, the transition from the show to the film? The reality is it was very comfortable, um, not only because you you go from working with a certain in, uh, individual uh, on both projects, so you know the way that person works. Mm-hmm. Mike Flanagan was so easy to work with. Hunting of Hell House was 11 months of our lives, pretty much, mm-hmm. from beginning wow. to end. And then we took two months in between, uh, and that's when we got called to do Doctor Sleep uh, back in Atlanta with Mike Flanagan. Um, absolutely, completely different show, but sort of mm-hmm. the same uh, genre. Yeah. Right. But we also had, and, and I'm not talking just about location in general. We also had a, we were doing a sequel to a an all time classic. Yeah. So there was a lot of yeah. pressure. A lot of everything needed to be. Perfect. Exactly. I mean, The Shining is a masterpiece. The Shining is a huge deal. It's one of my all-time favorites. I'm obsessed with that film. Yeah. So when you guys told me that you were working on a sequel to that, I was like, all right, give me all the deets. Tell me everything you know. <laughs> <laughs> was it as fun as it as it, as it it looks like? I, I thought it was great. I mean, it was tough. It was yeah. probably one of the hardest shows I've ever done, but for good reason. Because, mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't hard in the sense that they treated us poorly because they didn't. It was just, mm-hmm. like Rody said, it had to be so specific because mm-hmm. that's who Mike is. You know, he, he's got the whole movie in his head already, and you've got to try to match that as best you can. And I think for the most yep. part, we pulled it off somehow. You know, there were so many moving pieces like Teeny Town, which was closing down a whole town square and, wow. you know just crazy stuff oh, yeah. like that. Oh yeah, I remember you I remember you telling me about Teeny Town. I forget if it was uh stages or if it was an actual location, the hotel. It was built. Even though we saw it being built, walking inside the actual hotel, the Overlook Hotel, and yeah. and just being in there, it gives you goosebumps. Yeah. Everything inside that hotel was recreated to the last little detail. Uh, and one of the challenges that uh, I'm going to say the production designer had and, and construction had is that the way it was shot originally, um, even though it was, it was based out of one hotel, it was created in pieces. I mean, not all of it was shot at the hotel. There were facades built back in, what was it, right. 1980 or... or yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was 1980. Right. So a lot of our, the research that we had to do, designer had to do, director is like trying to piece together all these pieces, all these shots that uh, 
Kubrick put. There weren't just one location. So we had to adapt and try to see exactly what he was seeing. And if there's a door where it's supposed to be, or if there's a window where it's supposed to be, that it's not in the real hotel because it was that part of the section was actually built and not in the hotel. So it was a lot of challenge. Right. But once you walk inside that stage, that set build, it's mm-hmm. mind blowing. You're talking about a two story Hotel, an entire hotel. It was insane. Hallways. Have you done anything to that scale before? Hunting Up Hill has, we built the, it was a three story uh, or two and a half story mansion. The the entire inside or interior of the mansion was built. Mm -hmm. Staircase with moving pieces for camera to come in and out. Um, Wow. Yeah. With, With Dr. Sleep, with building that hotel, how long did that take? That took since before... Mm-hmm. probably before we even started honestly I mean it was because yep. we weren't really a part of that because that's on stage uh, mm-hmm. we were more so everything outside of stage but you know we would right. come to the office or to the stages every once in a while and see a little piece and a little piece and a little piece and then we came back I believe the last day of shooting once we were done with locations and all that and just walked in and it was just walking into the Overlook Hotel which is just mind blowing Unbelievable. So, like you said, you weren't really a part of uh, the stages being built, the set being built. Is that that's the most common scenario? Would you say in locations department, you're always there for anything on site, on location, everything on stages. You're kind of you've got a man there, but you're not heavily as involved as you are with something right. to rent. Yeah, it depends on the show. I mean, we. We could have a locations person there or a separate stage person. or It just really depends on the show. Yeah. Another challenge uh, that was interesting from Dr. Sleep is at the beginning of the conversations of Dr. Sleep, there were conversations of, uh, it, it, for those who have seen the movie, uh, the movie happens, the, the storyline in multiple states of the, in, within right. the U.S. Yeah, there are. Yeah. yeah. So one of the options that we had was to actually film every action that happened in every state to fly to every state and, and film it there. Wow. So from there, it started moving to, okay, a little bit more in Atlanta, Georgia, a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more, where we ended up doing, it's aside from a couple of drone uh, units that we had, everything had to be within Georgia. That included right. one of the scenes, which is uh, Marina, like Marina Ray Marina. in 1980, Marina. Mm-hmm. We spent weeks traveling around. I had people going all over the place and traveling and to go see every area where Georgia meets the water until we found that mm-hmm. marina, which I, I don't remember right now the name of the marina, unfortunately, but it was mm-hmm. on this it was on the southeast corner of Georgia, where on the other side of the water was Florida. That's where we found the marina. So you had a, a whole bunch of people working with you flying out of state as well. I remember you telling me, did you end up flying to Colorado or was it Ohio at some point? One of the options, no. So one of the first conversations was to go scout and shoot at the actual Overlook Hotel where part of the original film was uh, was mm-hmm. done. Uh, that and didn't end up happening. We ended up building uh, the right. facade of the hotel and the interior on stage. I mean, I thought it was fantastic. I remember when uh, Gonzo was telling me about it, I was absolutely shocked and then... 
having a lot of expectation for it. And when I finally saw the film, when I finally saw that hotel, I was like, oh yeah, they did a great job. That's pretty much exact. Yeah, we're, we were all very proud. That's you guys. That's that's construction building. That's all of that stuff. I mean, it's important to have all of these different, you know, departments, you know, kind of join together and combine to create this lasting image, this lasting product of this hotel. And it's like everyone was there. Everyone was committed. Everybody did like their best. And the result shows that, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And um, a very interesting point that, about locations is that Aside from us finding the location, we mm-hmm. have to find a place to support an entire crew with all the equipment. So we not only yeah. f- find and set up a, I'm going to say a house in a neighborhood, but you have to find a parking lot big enough to park 200 cars, plus the extras and all the tractor trailers and the generators and the condors with the lights. Like all that, and, and you multiply that, but however many locations you have in a movie, which could be 10, 20, 40. So every day you're just moving on and, and setting up for the next day. So make sure that everybody gets there and they're able to set up exactly what they need, however they need it, to be able to follow them one day. It's a lot of work. And I'll say it again, the work shows every time. And a lot of the stuff I've seen you guys work on, pretty high caliber. You guys are pretty talented. I don't say this to you in person. <laughs> but- because you guys are pretty talented. You guys definitely know how to work and you work well. Thank you. Thank you. We, we definitely love what we do. Do you think that there is a next step for you guys coming out of COVID? Gonzo, you brought up a potential project you might be a part of. I don't know if you can discuss that. Rody, the same yeah. with you. Yeah, I mean, potentially What's hopping next? on a TV show next. I had a call this morning and maybe it'll happen. But also, who okay. knows, because of COVID. I mean, everyone's just waiting for that one show to take the first step and do it successfully as opposed mm-hmm. to shutting down, which a lot of them have. So it's just a gamble. I yeah. mean, it's there's no getting your hopes up yet, but, you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah, I remember Joseph. Uh, Joseph Reigns is another buddy of ours in locations department in Atlanta. Joseph told me that um, a production he was working on pre-COVID the production had to move somewhere safer. It was like the right choice at the time, but it still leaves people out of work. And it left you guys out of work for, I think you said seven months, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it felt like we yeah. were on a snowball of show after show after show after show. And then suddenly nothing. And right. here we are doing a podcast. Here you are doing a podcast, man. I don't even I don't even know how I started doing the podcast. <laughs> it just kind of came out and now we're doing it. But I think it's a great idea what you're doing, though. To show, like it's explaining to, to, to the world exactly what what it takes to make a movie, a TV show, anything, uh, all this small moving pieces in every department, going from in front of the camera, behind the camera. I think what you do is it's fascinating, it's necessary, and it will it will give the audience an opportunity to appreciate a, a show or a movie um, in a different way. That was the intention. Basically, the podcast comes in to assist in giving listeners an insight into into the film industry, giving them a little bit of this and that, some stories to give them a better understanding of what the crew's lives are like, what the departments do, and what brings a film to fruition. And so you guys being like probably the biggest inspiration for me to have such a work ethic as you do 
both of you guys is something that most people should strive for, especially in the film industry to have that commitment to have Rody had been, has been working in film for 19 years and he's in it, you know, till the wheels fall off. Same with you guys. So that's just what I wanted to do. I wanted to spotlight you guys and locations department and give some listeners an insight into that. And hopefully we did it. And we, we appreciate it. We definitely appreciate it. So the last production you guys were a part of together was Cherry, which was the Russo brothers, most uh, recent production. Tell us a bit about that. Whatever, whatever you can say. Yeah. Cherry was, it was crazy. I mean, it was a city we had never been to, never really thought about going to. Uh, up in Cleveland, Ohio, and we were just kind of thrown in it, and here's a script, and good luck. And, you know, we spent every day, every weekend, every night doing research, doing what you can, because we're in a place we don't know. We don't have those distractions of, well, we're going to go to the local, we're going to go to the spa and hang out. Like, we didn't have any of that. One of the good things uh, that made our job a lot easier is uh, Joe and Antonio uh, Russo, as, as well as uh, their entire family, are from Cleveland. Uh, very well established, very uh, like very admired, uh, and with a lot of connections. So they would, they were very open, which doesn't always happen, but they were very open to us approaching them personally. Be like, Joe or Anthony, I know you're looking for a five story building that's dilapidated. Yep. I can spend an, an entire week looking for them, or. Can you tell me which areas of Cleveland will have those buildings? And they will sit down with you, would take all the time, show you on a map, circle things out, be like, you should probably try these areas. They were very helpful. And everywhere you go and you mention their names, everybody knows who they are. And knows who they are not only because they're famous, because they're very, very much loved in Cleveland. That made our job definitely easier. Um, what challenges that we had were... Like we mentioned earlier, the uh, small amount of local crew available. You said 80% of your crew was from Atlanta. 80% yep. of our location crew. We try to hire as much mm -hmm. local as we can. Once you run out of local mm -hmm. options, then you, you start bringing your crew from back home, the crew that, that we've done many, many shows together. Yep. It gets a bit also complicated with, for example, vendors. Uh, what we do as locations, we get to provide right. tents and AC units or heaters or tables mm -hmm. and chairs and bathrooms and all that. It was freezing. It was, it was the middle of winter over there. We finished the movie in winter. Yeah. Yeah. We started it in fall, summerish fall, and it was great. Okay. And then it quickly turned into an actual winter that we know nothing about because mm -hmm. we're from Atlanta. So that was kind of a <laughs> shocking moment for us where little heaters that we use here just won't do. Like you got to bring out the big stuff. Adapt and survive. You had to make some changes and you learned a whole bunch of new stuff. Absolutely. And I think that that's important for somebody in locations or anybody in the film industry to adapt to their, their surroundings. And you guys, you did it. And I can't wait to see the film whenever it comes out during COVID, post-COVID, whenever that is. Did you guys have like, I guess, a routine for this production? in terms of not knowing the area you're in and having to find these locations, I guess, cold without any prior experience of where you are. Yeah. I mean, it was a lot of just driving around, Hey, this might work or talking to locals or talking to the brothers, like he said, and just asking mm -hmm. people and everyone was so helpful and friendly and like, Oh, check out these areas, check out these areas. And we did. I mean, a lot of it, got it done. 
yeah, a lot of it was outside of the city and where, you know, you'll drive for four hours one way and find something maybe and, you know, stuff like that. It's not like Atlanta where everything's kind of consolidated and you have your routine where you talk to the film office or you talk to the usual suspects and whatever. No, we were Mm -hmm. completely on our own and trying to make it work. And 19 years of my uh, of my career in the industry, uh, I think it's it's by far one of the best shows I've ever done. And the Russo Brothers is a big deal. Yeah, and not only because of the Russo Brothers, but the entire crew was so experienced and so professional. And we had, there was a lot, a lot to film in a short amount, uh, short amount of time. So there were changes every day that had to be made to accommodate mm-hmm whether shot or an actor or scheduled or this or that. So every day there was a, a change for the next day. There was never a, okay, everything's set up for the week. We can all just take a little break right now and calm down. Every day there was just a change. And not only our department, but every department had to adapt to that change. And there was no complaining. Everybody was like, oh, I guess we're going to move everything again. Let's just do it right now. Let's get it done. And, and that was the entire movie of just professional people that needed to get something done and it was getting done. It doesn't matter what would happen. And again, that's that's a strong work ethic that I think is absolutely essential for people in the film industry to have have that strong work ethic like you guys have and, and the crew on this had. One other point, guys, Gons, you know, Tom Hardy came to Brother Moto and he was into bikes and he was shooting Venom. Uh, I think he was shooting Venom on the yeah. Black Hole lots mm-hmm. around the sa- same time that I was working there. And you guys being obsessed with motorcycles and roadie taking every couple months when he'd have some time off work, you'd take a trip up to LA or you'd take a trip up to wherever and you'd always be on the bike. I think it's good to get some some good time off and some good little vacation stories going in between work. And I know Gonzo and I did a whole bunch of trips to LA and mm-hmm. you had done a, a long trip to LA, right, Rody? You did, was that three months? So, yeah, I did. Uh, it's actually interesting. I did a uh, motorcycle trip um, from Atlanta to LA, um, but I made sure to stop at the, the Overlook Hotel, they were doing the the Shining right. was inspired. It was because uh, Stephen King stayed at a hotel in Colorado for a couple of nights. And that's where right. the idea of the movie came up. So what I made sure that when I left LA in between Hunting of Hell House and Dr. Sleep, I went to that hotel just to see it in person. And I remember I took a photo of myself on the motorcycle and I sent it to mm-hmm. producer and director. And then I continued my trip, which it was 18 days uh, to California. And then while I was in California, right. I got the call. He's like, all right, we're ready to start. And Get back come to right back. Yeah. So I flew <laughs> back to Havana. <laughs> Great. Yeah. I, I remember you having to fly back for, for that. Do you guys have any, any travel plans coming up soon? Any more trips? <laughs> no, I think, I think we can. <laughs> I think we're ready to, uh, to get back to work. We're all landlocked here. Yeah. It is very important to as often as you can take a, a break in between shows and, and do whatever makes you happy to recharge because mm-hmm. working in the, in the film industry, you do work for a long period of time, long hours, very little sleep. How long was stress. 11 months? 11 yeah, months that of was my a life. Long time. Yeah. And, and you can work 11, 12 hours a day or you can work 16 hours a day. So it, it takes after yeah. you finish the show, 
everything comes down. So you you gotta make sure that you, you get out there and you just do whether it's sleep or travel or meditate or anything to recharge. Mm-hmm. If not, it, it will take a big toll on you. We're gonna start sponsoring your uh, meditative TED talks from now on. <laughs> on <the podcast. laughs> Sponsor my motorcycle trips, please. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Perfect. Um, well, boys, I think we uh, I think we left it on a good point. Uh, thank you for sitting down and uh, talking with uh, everybody about locations. Hopefully, we gave some good points and we uh, you know dove into that department a little a little more. Thank you both for being on. Um, it was a it was a pleasure talking to you guys about locations. Thank you for uh, thank you for giving everybody some insight. Yeah, thank you for having us. It's really a pleasure, and I look forward to giving you a hug in person again. Hopefully, one soon. day soon. I'll see you soon. Whenever we're not landlocked, I'll be back in Atlanta. I'll see you guys soon. All right, man. Until then, Gonzo, I'm sure I'll talk to you tomorrow. Already, I love you both. Right. I'll speak love to you, you guys soon. See you, boys. See you, buddy. Okay, that's all for episode two. On our next episode, we have Chris Aquilino talking with us about living, working, existing in Los Angeles. And we both have a much needed catch up chat. Subscribe to hear the next step.